Hello and welcome everybody to the Hi My Name is Life podcast. This is episode five. I am your host, Aaron, and my preferred pronouns are she and her. This week, I was originally planning to continue my main story that I started in episode one and, and two. And after recording yesterday and starting to edit, I wasn't really happy with how it was turning out. I had a very clear message in mind that I wanted to leave everyone with, but I was quickly discovering that I was emphasizing too much on parts I didn't intend to focus on. I feel like I allowed my TBI brain to go wild, and boy, <laughs> did it go wild, because that was an interesting recording experience. So I decided to scrap what I recorded and try again. The second attempt, I kind of changed my approach to make sure that I stayed on message. So I wrote a script. I wrote about 30 minutes worth of content late last night and did a test recording and I was still not happy. And I blame that on not having time to proofread the script first. And while I was recording, I quickly discovered that my TBI brain was vomiting all over that as well. <laughs> Yay me. So I threw that out also and started over again, but I was simply just running out of time and it was starting to cause a great deal of stress and worrying and anxiety to the point where my TBI symptoms were flaring up like crazy because I was trying to get everything finished today, today being Monday morning, and I typically upload episodes on Mondays. So the crunch was becoming too much for me, and because of my TBI, I don't handle very stressful situations well. <laughs> so I had to make the difficult and tough decision to push the episode out yet another week, but now a huge weight is lifted has been lifted off my sh shoulder and I feel so much better now because I have a lot more time to record something that I'm proud of and to deliver something to you that I hope you all would enjoy. So yay, expect that next week, hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> but if you are interested in wanting to listen to that first recording, it is available on demand on my Twitch channel because as I always live stream my podcast recordings, I still think it's a good episode. It just wasn't what I really wanted. Uh, it, it's a very raw cut. Usually the stream recordings are drastically different than what you all hear on the podcast version. So it's a, it's a nice little window of kind of like what I have to deal with with my brain. Just letting you know, if you want to listen, it's there. I'll be sure to put a link to that video in the show notes below. So now I have this gap that I need to fill this week. And I thought, what better way to fill that gap than to do a mini mailbag episode? Uh, because a couple of listeners sent in some questions about my vaginal plasty surgery, which I talked about last week 
Um, so I figured, why not answer them today? So let's do it. So the first question that I got uh, pertained to how much the procedure would cost. So what I'm going to talk about right now is just the vaginal plastic surgery on its own. So around the estimated range for how much surgeons typically charge for this surgery, you're looking at around $7,000 to $15,000. So this, this pays for the surgeon and the surgeon's time. That's it. Do not expect the $7,000 to $15,000 to be the total cost of this surgery. You haven't even included the hospital bills that come after surgery itself. Every surgeon has different requirements for patients. Some require patients to stay in the hospital for two days, some for three. My surgeon requires their patients to stay in the hospital for nine days. So obviously, the longer you stay in the hospital, the more you're going to rack up bills because you're pretty much everything that you get or is being used while you're in the hospital, you're paying for. Definitely keep that in mind. And it's really hard to give kind of a ballpark or any kind of estimate of what the hospital bills would be. Just expect it to be a lot because medical care is very expensive in this country. Also, uh, everything that I'm talking about is strictly just for the U.S. I don't know costs or anything like that associated to the surgery outside of this country. So that's that. You know, Obviously, the overall cost of the procedure can fluctuate drastically based on multiple factors. Some of those factors being whether or not you have medical insurance and whether or not your medical insurance covers transgender care and bottom surgery. Unfortunately, a lot of insurance companies in the U.S. do not cover trans care. Hopefully, that's something that we can change in the future, but it's going to be quite a battle to require them all across the board. So when you start looking at it from a medical insurance perspective, then you know, you're looking at costs a little bit differently. So you have to be sure to review the plan that you have with them and what that plan covers specifically for like surgery, uh, surgical procedures and inpatient stays and everything like that, because every plan is different. And then you have to look at what your annual deductible is and what your out-of-pocket deductible is, because that will also dictate what you would have to pay out-of-pocket So to kind of give you an example of my surgery, I only had $3,000 remaining in my out-of-pocket deductible. So I only had to pay out-of-pocket $3,000. Everything after that, my medical insurance covered 100%. So for that entire procedure and that entire hospital stay, I only had to pay $3,000 out of my pocket. I did a quick search online just to kind of help give a ballpark range for surgeon fees for the labiaplasty. And from what I was able to find, uh, it's looking like around $3,000 to $8,000 for the surgeon and the surgeon's time. Again, that doesn't include hospital bills and the costs that you incur while in the hospital. Obviously, with the labiaplasty, 
requires less time in the hospital. For example, when I have my labiaplasty in December, they want me to stay in the hospital for one day and then I can, and then I'm discharged and I'm free to go home. So obviously that's going to drastically reduce uh, the hospital costs. So I figured I would kind of give everybody a window into the overall cost of my vaginalplasty. These are all numbers that were billed to insurance. Every person is going to be different. Every hospital is going to be different. Every surgeon is going to be different. This just kind of gives you a window of how much it costs total. So what my surgeon billed was $12,364. And then the hospital for those nine days uh, billed around $125,000. And, you know, that encompasses the OR staff, the operating room, the anesthesia that was used, medication, lab work, nurses, hospital, bed, slash room, meals, IVs, uh, any sterile medical supplies that were used. So everything that you use or is involved in your care at a hospital, you pay for, and that's what gets billed. Typically, hospitals contract out anesthesiologists. Those are the people that put you to sleep. Very important job. <laughs> and the company that my anesthesiologist worked for, they billed $5,229 for that person's time. So overall, the grand total is around $142,229. That's a lot of money. And this kind of gives you a picture of or an idea of how much I would have to pay in cash if I didn't have medical insurance if I went with my surgeon and used the hospital that works with and contracts with, I would not be able to afford that at all. Like I said, every surgeon's different, every hospital is different, every anesthesiologist is different, so everything can fluctuate differently. If I didn't need to stay in the hospital for nine days, obviously that grand total of $142,000 would be drastically lower. So it really depends on how long you stay in the hospital. So I hope that answers your question or at least gives you a good idea. So really great question. Thank you for sending that in. Another listener sent in another question asking about whether or not the vagina functions like a real vagina would. Obviously, this is difficult for me because my surgery failed with the complications that I talked about last week. So my vagina will not function like a normal, quote unquote, normal vagina would. But with regards to like urination, sex, uh, sensations, and stuff like that, yes, it will function normally. Now, depending on how surgeries go, how your body reacts to the new stuff that's down there, and how you heal can affect the end result of the functionality. <laughs> it's like talking about software or something like that. Will depend, you know, will depend on the functionality of your vagina. You know, there are cases where um, after surgery and after recovery, 
Uh, some patients don't regain sensation down there. So like your, your pleasure sensors and stuff don't come back, which is, that's really unfortunate if you are a very sexual person. Uh, so, you know, that could affect functionality. Uh, is there any other that would affect anything at all? I can't really think of anything else off the top of my head, but regardless of the loss of my vaginal canal, so the one thing that I can't do is vaginal intercourse. So vaginal intercourse is pretty much the same. Obviously, the majority of cases, the vagina doesn't self-lubricate like you would expect it to do. So you have to use lube. And, you know, obviously cleaning up afterwards, <laughs> you know, it has nowhere to go. But also there's cases of uh, trans women after surgery that, you know, does self-lubricate. So they don't need to use any uh, off-the-shelf lubricant or anything like that for vaginal intercourse. They just kind of produce it themselves. I don't know how that happens, but there's plenty of cases of that happening. And yeah, at least, you know, for me, the pleasure sensors, yeah, that functions normally. And, you know, the sensation down there are working and functioning properly. And to my understanding, after talking to cis women about uh, the experiences that I have experienced so far with regards to self-pleasure down there and everything, they're like, yeah, that's consistent to, you know, cis women that I know of. And I was like, oh, great. It's not broken. Fantastic. Uh, so that was a really great learning experience. So, you know, if you have, if you're going through this surgery and post recovery, if you have some really good cis female friends that are okay with you asking this level of personal questions, it's a really good resource. And I would tap that hundred percent, but yeah, the core components of that stuff, yes. Peen is different when you compare it to peen from a penis. I talked about that in last week's episode, so you can go back and listen to that. Peen is 100% different, so I would expect it to function as intended. Hopefully that answers your questions while we're on that feel free to send in your questions or comments or feedback or whatever about anything that we talk about in this podcast or life in general. Send us an email at podcast at hi-my-name-is-aaron.com. That's E-R-I-N. Or you can reach out over the social medias. So I apologize that I couldn't get the actual episode for this week out. I really hope I can get it out next week. But thank you very much for listening, and I will see you later. Bye-bye.